Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Have you checked the children? children. I want to play a game. The box. You opened it. We came. This is the All America Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined here with Donnie. Hey. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? Will, as, as uh, has become habit lately, is on assignment yet again. But we do have a special guest. It's not necessarily taking his place. It just kind of fell this way because Will was supposed to be here. He couldn't be here. And uh, But we, we've, it's, we went back to the well as someone that's been on the show before well over a year ago. It was back in August, I believe, of 2021. Uh, our good friend Travis Roy from the Cinema Nine podcast. Hey guys, so so glad to be uh, back on and doing a full movie with you guys. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, because uh, when we had you here last year, that, that was for the uh, Summer of the Wolf wrap up, where we kind of tapped into your your knowledge of uh, werewolves. Yeah, it's Were- rare that I get to just like talk for extended periods of times about werewolves. People in my life generally aren't interested in that, yeah. but getting to talk about movies yeah. is something I get to do on a, on a weekly basis, but I didn't, I haven't got to do it with you guys, so I'm stoked. I would imagine that's something normally, oh, here he goes with the werewolves again. <laughs> but here, that's welcome. Fucking werewolf so. guy. Yeah. <laughs> Damn weird awesome. werewolf guy again. Um, but yeah, we, we were hoping that this would be like a big kind of crossover. I mean, it still is. With uh, Cinema Nine, we, we were going to have uh, your other two co-hosts, or at least one of them on, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I was hoping that was the plan. I apologize. Uh, my regular co-host, Mike, is uh, he's a, a, his job involves football, so Sundays are out for him. And plus, he doesn't do he just doesn't do horror. He would not have appreciated this anyway. So frankly, <laughs> he just wouldn't have. It's fine that he's not here. God bless him. <laughs> um, my other co-host Eric, unfortunately, just kind of came down with something right right before oh, the, the yeah. show started. So so shout out to him. It was his call to, uh, to he recommended this movie, but I'm really glad he did. I've been wanting to bring it on to Cinema Nine for a while, but I feel like it's this is a better place for it. Yeah, so yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. This this was a, a good pull, and, and one I'm sure we would have got to sooner or later anyway. So it just it all worked out, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, uh, you know, they'll they'll come another time where those guys can come on. We can do this again at some point, you know, sooner rather than later, and uh, sure. have uh, you'll have seven people yelling at you instead of four. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that wouldn't have been a crowded room at all. Everybody just talk, you know, just mm. talking over each other. Yeah. About, about chaos. But yeah, so we've we've come to th- this is the one that you guys recommended. Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight from 1995. So I guess before we uh, start getting into the uh, the background and then, you know, talking about the movie itself, we'll get and toss to the trailer. Universal Pictures is proud to present the motion picture directing debut of one of America's most talented and respected artists. Cut! Cut, 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 cut! Oh, hello, kitties. So glad you could join me. Your pal, the Crypt Keeper, has gone Hollywood in a big way. 
I'm directing my first feature film. Care for a little shriek preview? For my big scream premiere, I wanted lots of suspense. Special effects. Sex. Violence. The kind of thing you could really sink your teeth into. Frights! Camera! Action! It's about a chase through the ages. A race against time. The war between good and evil. Come on out, everybody! Time to play! And the final battle between man... I'm sorry. ...and demon. I'm not gonna hurt you. I lied. It stars Billy Zane from Dead Calm, William Sadler from Die Hard 2, and Jada Pinkett from Menace to Society. Ooh, I love those titles. And you'll love Demon Knight. The demons are here! And ladies, if you think Demon Knight is too gross and yucky. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so there, there's the trailer for that. So uh, I guess we can kind of, uh, Travis, we'll let you start. What's your history with this movie? Like, this isn't the first time, or is it, that you've seen this? Oh, definitely not the first time that I've seen this movie. You know, when, when Tales from the Crypt was on back in the day, watching it required HBO, and that was for rich people, so <laughs> I didn't have that. <laughs> No, of course, but I mean, lots of people had it, but I, I didn't have it. I didn't have it, so I was, I was, I was familiar with the show, but only I'd only seen like a you know a handful of episodes, so I wasn't like rushing to see it necessarily. But when it came out on uh, video, I was, I saw it right when it came out, and you know, I, I fucking loved it, and I've watched it pretty religiously, regularly since. There really hasn't been a slump in my lifetime where like, Oh, I went 10 years without watching it or anything. No, it's been on the regular rotation for a long time. Donnie, what, what about you? I remember when this, uh, actually came out in theaters. Uh, I didn't see it in the theater, uh, but I do remember when it was released. Uh, I had seen it probably a year or so after that. And, you know, uh, I think this is the third time I've watched it. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm probably about the same as you. Like I didn't see it in the theater, but like it probably wasn't very long after that when it came out on VHS or something and rented it and saw it. But uh, Smoke, what about you? I'm sure you were there opening night, holding hands with the Crypt Keeper and all that. When it <laughs> well, you know, I remember when it came out in the theaters, and I would have been there opening night or somewhere shortly thereafter. But at that time, I was in the middle of the Pacific Ocean somewhere. I was, I was in the Navy <laughs> at that time. Because this was 95 when it came out, right? And, uh, yeah, yeah. January like, of 95. I didn't get to see it until you know, sometime a few years later, maybe on video, renting it. Probably renting it at some point when we came into port or whatever, watching it on the ship. And for some reason, that was really the only time I could. I mean, I'd seen bits and pieces of it as it was playing somewhere, you know, on some stage here or there or whatever over the years. But that was the only time besides this one that I'd saw it all the way through. And I, no real reason. I mean, it's not like I hate the movie or anything by any means. It's been that long since I rewatched this in its entirety from beginning to end. So that was, you know, 97 maybe or somewhere, 96, somewhere in there. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the background of the movie. Now, uh, as we normally do, we'll dig around and, and find out some information. And I found there were, there's one alternate title and one that's used and one isn't. One is basically just people might, you may or may not know this is just Demon Knight. Just drop the Tales from the Crypt part and just, it's Demon Knight. 
But another alternate title I found was Demon Keeper. That one's actually probably slightly more appropriate, wouldn't you think? Well, who's keeping demons? You know what? You're right. Fuck it. I chose the right one. <laughs> I'm thinking more of the collector thing, right? Like maybe yeah. that, that yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. You know, the soul collector. Maybe yeah. it been soul. Yeah, that would have been a good one too. Yeah, just call it soul. Maybe it was because wouldn't. Uh, what am I thinking of? That band. Wasn't there a band called that? Like soul. Oh, soul, uh, collective. collective soul. Soul collective, collective soul. soul. That's yeah. the I can't there. stand them. Yeah, yeah, I cannot stand. But, but what my point is is <laughs> like they would have been oof. big around this time, right? So maybe they just wanted to, you know, maybe somebody thought of that. Said, no, 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 it's too close. Yeah, big, but not like filter big. Not hey man, yeah, nice well, shot. Yeah. Big, right? we'll, we'll take it easy. <laughs> take it easy. Filter. Uh, it was a nice shot, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was released January thirteenth, nineteen ninety five, which is kind of a weird it, that that time period of the of the year. That that part of the calendar is usually like where movies go to die, right? That's when they yeah. decided to dump this one on the masses. Uh, but it was produced by Crypt Keeper Productions and distributed by Universal Pictures. Rated R, of course. Total runtime of one hour, 32 minutes on IMDb is listed as an action slash fantasy slash horror was filmed for a budget of $12 million. And it went on to a worldwide gross of uh, just right at $21.1 million. So successful, I guess, you know, they almost doubled, doubled their money as we sometimes often do, because some of the older movies, you can't find this, but this one, I've got it. The weekend that it opened, uh, the weekend of January 13th through 16th, 1995, which was actually Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, to have the top 10. Let's see. We'll start from number 10. Far From Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog. That's one of Donnie's favorites. Number nine, The Jungle Book. I'm not sure if that's which one that is. Is that a re-release? Is that a re-release? Maybe yeah, the original. I don't even remember another Jungle Book besides. There's been the, so many the damn Jungle Book, you know. Uh, there was a live-action one around then, wasn't maybe, there? I feel like there was. It was made by Disney, so I'm not sure. Maybe it was. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but number eight, Little Women. Number seven, Disclosure. Number six, House Guest. Number five, Nobody's Fool. Number four, Dumb and Dumber. Number three, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. And its wow. first week made just over $10 million that weekend. So obviously it raked in 21.1. So it made most of it right then. Number two, higher learning. And number one, Legends of the Fall. So that's your uh, January 1995 box office snapshot. It was directed by Ernest R. Dickerson. Now he would uh, best be known for, uh, he was also like a pretty uh, a well-respected cinematographer. Best be known for directing Juice. Uh, he was the cinematographer on Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X. Uh, he also directed Blind Faith. So, I mean, he, he's got a pretty good uh, list of credits himself, and he, he's still active today. Like, he just uh, rec- most recently directed an episode of Bosch Legacy, the t- uh, television series. So, he still, does, mostly it looks like it's uh, television these days, but he's still around. Hey, but before we go on any further from that point, have any of, any of y'all ever seen the movie he did the year before this one, Surviving the Game? Yeah, with Ice T, right? I see. Yeah, it's kind of like a takeoff, huh. sort of a, the most dangerous game I like, type thing. Yeah. That I thought was pretty decent. I haven't seen it since back then too, but I remember liking that. I, I didn't know he directed it until we were doing some research for the show. I do know that uh, Tom Holland was supposed to direct this uh, after he did Child's Play in 1987, which that would have been a very different movie. Which <laughs> I, in an alternate universe, I want to see that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, there, it seems like there was another one. Uh, I think it was Mary Lambert that was uh, after Tom yeah. Holland was supposed to do it. And then, then it was her. And then eventually, you know, fell to, uh, Ernest Dickerson. I guess it was one that just kind of got passed around a while before they finally made it. And it was supposed to be a trilogy of movies, 
that apparently there were two other titles, which at the very end of this, that there's a, I don't know if you guys watched through the credits, but there is a small post credits cutscene kind of thing where it's Crypt Keeper saying like, basically stay tuned for the next installment of these movies. And it was going to be called, uh, oh hell, now I'm blanking. On, he said, uh, Dead Easy. Dead Easy. Yeah. There was another um, one. He said Dead Easy, but there was supposed to be another one too. That uh, apparently they decided to go with this one first, and then the other two just never got made. They weren't continuations of this specific plot, though, right? No, they were just no. like other. There was, or were they? There was no, not necessarily. There was supposed to be some connecting thread, and I, and I believe it was that uh, the cross, key. The, the key. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, they decided to make this one first instead of uh, Dead Easy or whatever the other one. Body count. It was body count. That's what it was. Yeah. And then they I think just, Dead Easy was a working title for Bordello of Blood. Well, then they just, yeah, they, they well, maybe, huh. maybe it was, I'm not sure, but they kind of mm. threw those to the side and the next one that they made was Bordello of mm. Blood. But, and apparently that does appear, that key does appear in Bordello of Blood. Mm. Although it's been a long time since I watched that one. Dude, uh, I probably haven't watched either one of these since not long after they came out, to be honest with you. Late no, 90s for me. Bordello of Blood was one of those that I saw. Like, okay, they made a sequel. And I saw it. I'm like, okay, I'm good on that for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dennis Miller. <laughs> Although in all the all these years that have that have passed since, you would think they would want to tap back into this Tales from the Crypt thing more than they have. They really haven't. You know, like they had the it's series, like, they made these two movies, and that's pretty much it. Yep. Yeah. And like you said, when Bordello of Blood came out, and that was kind of you know a little bit downhill from Demon Knight. But then at that point, I guess they maybe called it quits because uh, I know Robert Zemeckis, Joel Silver, and then who was the third one? Adler. His last name's Adler. Um, I don't know, but I know Richard Donner and Adler. Walter Hill were in on this. Too, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah well, that's awesome. But uh, Zemeckis, Joel Silver, and Adler went on to form Dark Castle Entertainment in 98, you know, and did like the William Castle remakes of like House on Haunted Hill, 13 Ghosts, and uh, eventually stuff like A House of Wax, which I know we covered in oh, episode God. 38. It was oh, <laughs> unfortunately you, you brought it up. But speaking of something going downhill, even from Bordello of Blood, you know. <laughs> it's the once a month mention of House of Wax. Somebody's always got to do it. <laughs> uh, Gilbert Adler. Gilbert Adler. That's it. I couldn't remember his first name. Gilbs. Old Gilbert. <laughs> Good old Gilbert. Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> kind of gets lost in the shuffle between Walter Hill and Robert Zemeckis. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie was written by Ethan Rife. Uh, Rafe. R e i f f. What do you think, Rafe? We'll go with that. Cyrus yep. Voris, boy, they got some names. And Mark Bishop, he's the he's the normal one there. The cast, th- this is a pretty, I mean, for this type of movie, it's a pretty star-studded cast, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got Jada Pinkett Smith as uh, Geraldine. Let's see, CCH Pounder as Irene. Dick Miller as Uncle Willie. Good old Uncle Willie. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Hayden Church as Roach. Definitely uh, a turn from what he was known for at the time. I mean, he was pretty much was just fucking, it was wings and this was it. Yeah, and that was yeah, it, right? Yeah. So when he did this, this was like quite a, quite a twist from what people are used to seeing him do. Uh, Billy Zane, of course, uh, as the collector, and uh, William Sadler as Breaker, uh, and a handful of other you know people you would recognize, you know, character actors stuff like that. Even that small little cameo towards the beginning of, uh, I guess, a slightly more than a cameo, but really it is John Larroquette <laughs> yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I do call it acting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great cast for, for this type of movie. And even of the time, like you said, I mean, it's not like these were no names of the time, you know, but I guess maybe that's, maybe they were kind of cashing in on that cachet of tales from the crypt, maybe to, to get some of these names. Mm. Cause that was very popular, you know, in this time period and, and before this. 
Anything else you guys wanted to add about the uh, the background information before we get into it? Oh, well, this isn't really background. But it's kind of interesting. Whenever, you know, when you think of Tales from the Crypt, like Tales from the Dark Side or Creep Show, any kind of anthology series, when I first heard this being announced as something that was going to be coming out, I expected it to be an anthology almost. Kind of like Tales, you know, Tales from the Dark Side, the yeah. movie was an anthology. So. Or yeah. even the original. Yeah. Wasn't there an old Tales from the Crypt movie that was an anthology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. from. Uh, amicus studios maybe in britain i know it wasn't hammer early it was a british British studio that put out the original tales from the crypt and uh vault of horror but yeah those were those were uh anthologies so i kind of thought that was so it's different that they did it in a full-length movie and then bordello of blood also being a full-length that was another interesting thing about this one in particular the story in particular is that it was one of the uh, times that they didn't pull from the ec comics at all like this is a completely original story that they didn't have the nod at least to, to tales from the crypt and ec comics with the kid and the you know yeah, Dick miller and yeah, the kid yeah. was reading tales yeah, from the crypt comics. Sure. That was, uh, was a nod to it. yeah the only other uh thing i found was that um uh this actually won three chainsaw awards uh best actress for jada pinkett uh best makeup effects and best soundtrack I mean, Billy needed some love too, but all right, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely stu- he stood out in this movie for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, did everybody did a decent job, but I think he did the like he really swung for the fences on his and his. You know, for his part. <laughs> yeah, Steals yeah, because, the show. yeah, because Dick Miller was just being Dick Miller, right? Like he kind of yeah. plays the yeah. same part in every movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Not not that that's bad. It's just you know nothing nothing that stands out any more or less than any other, right? Right. <laughs> CCH just kind of doing her normal thing. <laughs> Classic yeah. CCH, man, you know? Yeah. Why fuss and fret about dinner? Why not have it right here? Yes, this drive-in offers everyone in the family a real picnic treat for dinner. We've got delicious sandwiches with all the trimmings and your other dinner favorites, plus whatever you want to drink, hot or cold. Come early before the show starts or eat while you're being entertained or at intermission time. So why fuss? Give your family a tasty dinner at this drive-in. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I just went over and into Audible and typed in Tales from the Crypt, but I barely got anything, surprisingly. So I typed in Demon Knight, and I got more than a handful of things here. We've got Demon Knight, The Years of Long Dirk, Book 3 by Dave Duncan. That one's uh, just over 11 hours long. We've got... Demon Knight, Scary Supernatural Horror with Demons. <laughs> uh, Blake Rossi series, book one by Sharon M. White and Scare Street, whatever the hell. It's like it's listed as an author, Scare Street. Uh, that and one are is, these are these Demon Knight, like Knight? Yeah, yes. Or like Knight, Knight. <laughs> like, they're all they're stealing Knight, it. Yes. They're blatantly stealing it. All yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, and that one's uh, almost seven and a half hours long. And then we've got Prom Knight. Spelled with a K. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Demon's Apprentice series, book five by Ben Reader. And that one's uh, nine and a half hours long. So tons of other options. I mean, I've got uh, at least a dozen or so here that popped up just typing that in. So if, if any of that sounds like it might uh, scratch your itch, uh, you can go to over to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audio book. So now I'm going to flip on over to IMDb and click on plot summary and see what pops up. And we've got... Two, we've got two short ones and one really long one. So I'm going to read all this. Uh, the one, yes. bri- the, the one brief, <laughs> the one brief one sentence synopsis is: High level demons collect low level demons as warriors in attempt to obtain a key containing the blood of Christ. The key is guarded by immortal warriors called demon knights. 
Uh, we've got this slightly longer one. Breaker is a man who carries the last of seven keys, special containers which held the blood of Christ and were scattered across the universe to prevent the forces of evil from taking over. If the collector gets the last key, the universe will fall into chaos, and he has been tracking Breaker all the way to a small inn in a nowhere town. And now the final battle for the universe begins, 45 dots after. Uh, that was uh, put up by Michael Silva. And the last one, this Boiler one's alert. long. Yeah. <laughs> last one, this one's longer. Oh, yeah, by the way, I, sh- I should say, we are a spoiler-filled <laughs> podcast, so if for whatever reason you haven't watched this movie up to this point, you should probably hit the pause button, go watch the movie, and then come back and listen to the rest of this. So here's the really long one. Donnie, I know you love the long ones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this was put up by Claudio Carvo- Carvola. On IMDb, a man called Frank Breaker. I don't know if they ever, I guess they, did they ever say his first name? Frank? Uh, I don't remember that. I don't recall it, but. I don't remember the first, the first name. It was always just Breaker. Breaker, yeah. But anyways, maybe he just made up a name for him. He looks like a Frank. (laughs) A man called Frank Breaker is driving a car through a desert road chased by another car. They crash and Breaker flees from the spot. He unsuccessfully tries to heist the car and stumbles upon the alcoholic Uncle Willie. Then he asks for a place to stay, and Willie indicates a nearby bed and breakfast in an abandoned church. Breaker goes with Willie to the inn, where he checks in with the other—or I'm sorry, with the owner, Irene. He's introduced to the guest, the whore Cadelia, <laughs> the post, the postal clerk Wally Enfield, and the maid Gerilyn. Meanwhile, Sheriff Tupper and Deputy Bob Martell finds a man called the Collector near the accident that tells that Breaker is a thief that has stolen a key-like relic from him. When the crook roach, what? When the crook roach, he tells about the attempt of theft of a car. This is weird, <laughs> worded oddly. The suspicious Irene calls the sheriff that comes with his deputy and the collector that tries to retrieve the relic. I know it sounds like I can't read, but this is just the way this shit. <laughs> when the sheriff, yeah. <laughs> when the sheriff decides to take Breaker and the collector to the police station, since both cars were stolen, the collector kills him with a powerful punch. <laughs> However, Breaker uses the relic to expel the collector to outside, and he uses his blood on the soil to create demons. Good Lord. (laughs) However, Breaker uses blood from the relic to protect the inn. The collector is unable to get in the place and uses his power to tempt each person inside the inn. Who will win the battle between good and evil? I don't know. You just told us the whole thing, so I don't know. You just ended it with (laughs) a question. You just told us the whole movie, but... That last sentence could have been it. That's the plot. This is the first act. Now guess the rest. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) More like that's the first two acts. Now guess the rest. Um, Was it that second synopsis? The 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 shorter one, but semi long. Yeah, I think it was the middle synopsis. Made it sound like the you know is gathering the infinity stones and yeah, gauntlet. Right. Yeah. Well, what did we learn there? We learned Frank was his first name. Frank Breaker. Yeah. yeah. So where where do you want to start? I mean, like we can start the the, the discussion about the movie, Donnie. Where, where do you want to kick it off? The opening. Yeah, I mean that iconic opening. Just like I, I mean, I I'm I'm like Travis. I didn't have HBO when I was a kid, but uh, you know, you always recognize that uh, you know, the iconic nostalgic opening of uh, Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, let's start yeah, there. I, I was the opposite. <laughs> like we had HBO back when this show when the show first started you know, all, all, all through. And like, I remember, you know, I was roughly what, I don't know exactly what year the, the series started, but it was sometime in the early nineties. Right. So I was roughly mm-hmm. 10 to 12 yeah. years old, something like that when it started. And I was watching it like from, from the get. Um, so yeah, like just, just hearing that again, just, you know, 
because it's been a while since I watched any of it. I used to love mm-hmm. watching it, you know, when I was you know a teenager and all that. But uh, yeah, just hearing that again, seeing that again, and like it seems like they didn't really fancy it up or anything either for the movie. It's like this is just oh, yeah. like watching see, a really long episode of Tales from the Crypt, right? I also remember that song. Like I, I didn't have HBO either. I mean, I caught some random stuff from it here and there. I remember it being used in other places though. Like you remember when MTV had their "This Is Horror"? They used to have a little horror awards show thing or something. And I think you know they would use music from various things like Hellraiser and this. Yeah. So mm. you would hear it all over the place back then, even if you didn't have, you know, weren't able to watch the show. Yeah, the Crypt Keeper was very much in the zeitgeist in the early early nineties, yeah. and I and I saw enough episodes when I was a kid to like know and and I've read some of the comics and you know stuff in Creep Show. It's always you know it's very the the beginning of of this movie the fake movie that the crypt keeper is shooting you know it's like so perfectly aligned with what this kind of crap usually is it's like oh someone it's like sex and blood and revenge right it's just like the same kind of (laughs) formula how many titties and blood can we get in this yeah and you do get get plenty of of zombie of course (laughs) you do get plenty of all that but that's kind of uh part of what we come to these things for right <laughs> lots sure. of lots of titties and blood <laughs> the line where like you know so they all gather in there and then like the cat jumps up on the table or whatever <laughs> then she comes and says get that pussy off the table when the <laughs> when the prostitute is sitting on the table yeah I thought, oh yeah I thought the relationship was kind of funny between irene and cordelia because there was like all this judgment towards cordelia for being the prostitute but at the same time you kind of get the sense that Irene really wouldn't have a business if Cordelia wasn't there. And the, <laughs> yeah. She's the only draw to the entire place and making everyone money. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The geography of the town's weird too. Like it's like, I guess there's really not much to the town, right? Like, you know, there's a, there's like a, a, a car shop or something, right? That's where yeah. the dude tried to, or was that a diner? I can't remember. It was where it was he, a diner. Diner. Okay. You know, there's diner. a diner and then there's this place where there's a whore. Like that's the town. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's really just a couple of buildings. That's yeah. it. Where I grew up. Um, I, I love that you don't have any real sense of what state or even what region it is. I mean, I assume it's <laughs> Desert Road. That one guy said it's a Desert Road, but and like you know, the collector's wearing this U.S. Marshal's kind of hillbilly get up cowboy get up thing. But you, I mean, I assume it's like New Mexico or something. Yeah, but you really yeah. don't know. I don't think they ever really pointed out. You know, it's ambiguous, and I, I'd say it's a pretty safe assumption. It's like you said, New Mexico, Nevada, something like that. You know, it's, something. Yeah. It's somewhere out there in the desert. Yeah. You know, you know what it kind of reminds me of going back and watching it now, and I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm going to say just say the movie from Dust Till Dawn. I, I don't remember if Robert Rodriguez himself wrote that movie necessarily. I guess I can't remember the right exactly who the writers are on it. I'm not saying they stole the the I you know the basic plot, but if you look at them, you got demons out in you know the middle of nowhere in this hotel out in the middle of nowhere. And then you got From Beyond, I mean, From Beyond, <laughs> it's a different movie altogether. <laughs> from Dust Till Dawn with, the, you know, vampires in this club in the desert out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, now granted, I think, you know, from Dust, Robert Rodriguez from Dust Till Dawn did a little bit better of a job with that basic plot line. But really, they're almost the same sort of plot lines. It's funny. Well, also, I mean, like Night of the Living Dead, right? I mean, it's, it, in a lot of ways, this is the, the classic horror scenario. You have a group stuck inside of one building while they're being yeah. sieged by some supernatural force. And myself, I'm a sucker for that type of movie. Like, there's something about yeah. those, like like Maximum Overdrive, a handful of yeah. other movies, like where you're... It's, 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 assault it's, on Precinct 13. Yeah, yeah. The Void or Prince of Darkness. It's a group of, a group of, of people yeah. trapped, in a, trapped in a building or a place, and they're trying to survive this onslaught from something you know like mm-hmm. i'm definitely a sucker for those type of movies done in some sort of isolated area like the thing you know john carpenter's a thing where it's in 
Antarctica or whatever. And this one is out in the middle of the desert. It's from dusk till dawn in the middle of the desert. Rural, you know, Night of the Living Dead out in the rural Pennsylvania countryside. When you get those isolated type things and the siege type film, it makes it even better. Something about that we mentioned earlier about Dick Miller. Uh, Dick Miller, when we did our our very first Spook Show Awards, he was the very first winner of the Spook Show Scream King. Yep. I know he was in Chopping Mall, right? What else yep. was he in that, that I'm blanking on? The Howling I that we did. Gremlins, right? Yeah, we did no, Gremlins. No, we have no. We have not. Oh, Critters. We've done Critters. Yeah. critters. Yeah. But he's very prolific when it comes to the horror films. He's like the lucky rabbit's foot for so many different horror directors. Or he was. God rest his soul. He has since passed. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. has since passed. But yeah, yeah. He's, he's that, that we were kind of joking. Uh, I think, I think it was offline that like Dick Miller is just, it's not hard to connect him to anything. Like the dude's been in, <laughs> the dude's been in so many different, you know, movies over the years. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I don't that, know how many starred in, but I know one for sure was Bucket of Blood. And that might be the only one that he was the main star of. I could be wrong, but I, there might have been another couple other ones in there, but you know, that he had more than a, a cameo type role. <laughs> uh, you mentioned From Dust Till Dawn. I, I just looked it up and it came out almost exactly one year to the day from this movie. It came out in January 19th of 1996. So if there wasn't, was, if there wasn't any influence, I doubt it, but you never know. Right. I, I, yeah, I doubt it too, but this screenplay was rolling around Hollywood for a decade. So true, I mean, true. It, it took a long time for this to get made. You're right. Yeah. People could have had eyes on it before it was actually released. That's true. That's true. And I'm sure so, we'll get to from dusk till dawn eventually here on the show, but that, that, that might be a debate one day to compare this to that. Like I, I think my memory of it, I probably like that more than this, but that is what uh, Rodriguez and Tarantino. So, <laughs> yeah, I would say uh, probably my favorite kill, probably the most obvious one, <laughs> is uh, when uh, the collector, you know, played by Billy Zane, punches through the cop's head <laughs> yeah. and then rips yeah. his head off and then yeah. throws it at Breaker. Heads up. <laughs> yeah, heads up. <laughs> A good, a good, a good, I think a good little touch to that too is how how nonchalant he is about it too. Like, oh yeah, fuck, I have to drop the ruse now. Shit, and then just turns around and just puts his fist to the dude's head. <laughs> Whoa, you know it's it's no. that it's that grabby by the balls say, uh, moment. Shooting Cordelia's demonic head off and her eyeballs alone remain unviolated. <laughs> and they land on the floor. So she's got to do another shot just and at the eyeball. Shoot the eye. For me, that's my favorite kill. <laughs> that's pretty good. There are there are a handful of good ones here. I will say, like uh, when they when the boy Danny gets uh, um, possessed, and yeah. then he just chunks him through the sealed window because <laughs> they had already put the blood seal on the window yeah. and just chunks him through it, and he just disintegrates. And then there's nothing but like a a, a smoldering Chuck you know uh, Chuck Taylor shoe on the ground. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's the scariest demon too. Like he's all so bloated and weird looking with his, you know, his Canadian Trey Parker and Matt Stone kind of head <laughs> flapping around. It's weird. It is scary. <laughs> it is too. It's funny too how uh there are varying degrees of possession in this too, right? Like there's like there's Dick Miller possessed where it's kind of basically <laughs> just looks like him with glowing eyes, right? Just a little a little demon dog. No. But then there's like that, you know, where it just deforms him into something else entirely. Well, I saw, you know, the demons in this kind of remind me of like a combination of things like Lumberto Bava's demons, the movie, yeah. you know, the demons yeah. from a little bit. There's some evil dead like demons. And then there's um, even some like John Carpenter's The Thing type weird morphing demon things where the tongue comes out of the one and like that was pretty, you know, goes into the person, into the body or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And the oversized demon kind of reminded me of like somewhat of like the Evil Dead, like Henrietta type demon, you know, not with the necessarily with the snake in the head and everything. I'm sure a good chunk of that $12 million budget was spent on the cast, you know, some of it for sure. But uh, it seems like they used their money wisely in the, in the effects. Like Donnie, you said that yeah. it won a chainsaw award that year for that. Like yeah. the effects in this were really good. Dude, when he when when the collector is splashing his green blood around, and you can like see like the the, the demons start to rise out of hell, I mean that's really convincing. It looks really really good. Like the, it looks like this head is coming out of the ground. Yeah, it looks yeah. great. Yeah, there uh, a lot of cool uh, special effects, and uh, like we said earlier, Bill, I think Billy Zane knocks it out of the park in this one. Uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't feel like too many people really mailed it in. You know, like uh, the performances were pretty solid throughout the movie. I mean, even William Sadler did a great job in this movie. Um, even <laughs> William Sadler? The man always does a great well, job. He does. <laughs> you're right. You're right. But we just haven't mentioned him as much. So that's yeah. why I said it like that. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like yeah. he was probably hungry because, like, he does. He he was such a character actor. And this was – he was just kind of starting to get past – like, they had this moment in the early 90s when he was in, in Die Hard 2 and this kind of other stuff. But he still hadn't quite popped into, like, leading man territory. And this was – the closest he ever really got to being the the main character of the film, I'd say he kind of shares it with Geraldine, the character Geraldine, mm. um, Jada Pinkett Smith. But well, and Billy Zane too, obviously. Again, he steals the show. But this is, I feel like, yeah, I think it's a really good cast in that they're all pretty hungry. It's like a it's a debut for him as a star. Jada Pinkett Smith had, had, had just kind of popped with Set It Off. Uh, CCH Pounder was a character actor that was probably ready for something a little bit bigger. Dick Miller, this was for all the crap that he's been in. This is actually, I think, one of the bigger roles that I've seen him in, like one of the most consistent roles where he's actually got more than a couple of lines. So uh, there's a lot of people. And then, of course, Thomas Hayden Church trying to, again, like I referenced earlier, trying to show everyone, hey, I'm not Lowell or Lloyd, whatever the fuck his name was from <laughs> yeah, Wings. Like, yeah. I, I have range. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's good. A lot, a lot of uh, breakout performances, kind of, you know, for yeah. for some of these people that went on to do a lot of them went on to do bigger and better things right after. Plus, it's the only movie where you'll see Billy Zane give Jada Pinkett Smith an animated demonic golden shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the hell was that? Like that that just came out of nowhere. <laughs> She's screaming in agony throughout it, like, like okay. yellow. Animated yellow thing, you know, flies off in the crotch area towards the end of the I thought that was like hellfire. Was it liquid? Oh, man. It changes everything. Well, well, <laughs> Close enough. I took it that way because he said, you're pissing me off. And then it comes out of his crotch. It's like, whew, yeah, the yellow. He's, true. <laughs> he's just demon lightning pissing on her. <laughs> that's the way I took it. Who knows? That's my, maybe that's where my mind went. I don't know. I, I do do the grindhouse gutter, so I can't really. <laughs> true, true. true. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it it really you know when when uh, the collector, which I don't remember, did they ever say his name? Like he's the collector or something? Or did no? They, no. That's just what's yeah, credited. credited. Yeah. Reference in stuff written about the movie, but I've never I don't remember hearing it. When he's kind of going around from person to person, like you know, kind of trying to tempt them to the dark side, so to speak. He got mm-hmm. Cordelia really easily, right? Like it wasn't it wasn't difficult at all for him for him to get her, and she was kind of the first one to break ranks. Mm. the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it's funny. You'd think that uh, he would have gone after Dick Miller first. He would have been the easiest. But speaking of special effects, I've always marveled at this really <laughs> small moment when he's trying to seduce Cordelia, and you can like see the invisible yeah. thumb indent over her lips. I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. It still blows my mind 30 years <laughs> later almost. Yeah. That, no idea yeah. how they do that. That, uh, you know, the uh, wiping the, like she's got a tear and kind of wipes right. it away. And 
brushes her mm-hmm. lips. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's subtle, but you know, a pretty good effect. But he did get Uncle Willie not too far after that with <laughs> no, that and ni- very easily. Just with, a decent beer. <laughs> yeah, he basically was like, here's a 1990s beer commercial. What? <laughs> pretty Have much a it. odd one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just topless instead of bikinis. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> he, he just enticed him with like an old Paps Blue Ribbon commercial. Like, well, I'm Pretty in. <laughs> I'm down with it's Miller now. time. Dick Miller time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. That was good. Uh-huh. Zing. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that um, really stands out to me about this movie is the world building. You know, and there's very much a feeling like there's a deep history behind these characters. The, the flashbacks to Sirach, the, the thief this whole thread line of thievery and thieves being like redeemed, I think is really cool too. But you, I mean, I'm not always super into Christian mythology and films and, but when it works, it works. And they do a really good job, I think, in, 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 in giving a lot of depth to the, the history of these characters in this movie, which makes me want to be like, yeah, I wish there had been sequels. I feel like they set up a lot here where even like now they could come back and do a sequel where Jada Pinkett Smith is like, you know, it's, She's aged, and now she's got to pass it on to someone else. I'd be so on board with that. Yeah, because she basically becomes the new breaker, right, at the, at the end. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they take the uh, collector out, and now there's a new collector. Mm-hmm. They just, all the all the, all the the players are replaced, and here we go again. If they ever decided to go back to the well, they, they easily could, because they set it right up. Plenty there. Which and like you said, they introduced those, the Christian elements into the movie without it being preachy, or, you know, without it. Because you don't see that mm-hmm. done many times in movies especially these days, but even back then you didn't see it too much without it being specifically geared that way. You know what I mean? You see it in the exorcist or sure. the Omen and things like that. But. And so often when the, that kind of stuff is introduced into horror, there's always like this element where it's like, well, you got to have faith. You know, there's just like, just, it's like, oh, there's yeah. like this, like this weirdly conservative kind of element going underneath of it. But this is just like, Hey, you know, we're just trying to keep, it's kind of in the mouth of, uh, in the mouth of madness. We're just trying to keep the, the, the demons at bay, the old gods or whatever at bay. Um, and that's, and it, and it roots it in something that's immediately familiar to most of their, you know, Western audience. Now, maybe, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm dumb or maybe I just missed it. What was the, the thing with the stars on, on breaker's hand? Oh, you're dumb. okay what was it then (laughs) yeah yeah what was the explanation of it like i'm thinking at first it's like nine lives right like well i've only got so many lives left you know and i can because remember like at the beginning he got hit by the car but he survived you know that the cars collided but they both survived that so i'm thinking that maybe it was like well you only got nine lives and you only got one left or something (laughs) that kind of thing but like i I, did i not catch the explanation of that anywhere there on the bottle right it was on the bottle of jesus's blood had the night i mean they're jewish stars uh the six-pointed star mm-hmm. jesus being jewish himself and everything but i don't know the reasoning for it being on the hand on the hand yeah so when he gives her when breaker gives geraldine the 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 cross or when uh dickerson the soldier just who happens to be named after the director uh, in 1917 uh gives the gives the key to breaker it like burns the tattoo into the palm of their hand and then they kind of look at the in the stars you know they move and they move around so and i get the sense that um it's kind of like this weird thing that indicates it's like you know how in the spawn comics how spawn had like this like this 
energy bar that was kind of constantly going down. It was, I think it's kind of like that where, where breaker has been watching his whole life as these stars have slowly moved back into their original position. And every time he sees them move, it signals to him that he's on the right path to doing what it is that he's supposed to do. And so like when he gets to the hotel and there's like seven people there, he's like, ah, this is definitely it. I'm in the right spot. And even when he sees Geraldine, like there's this moment where he kind of seems to recognize something in her. So I think that it's, it's like a timer of sorts and an indicator of like you're going the right way. Okay. Well, is it not also on the key itself? You you, you mentioned that uh um you know it, it burned it onto his hand. Is right. are those stars not on the key itself? Well, they are. That's what's burning the tattoo into their hands, mm. I guess. But like you're saying too, they move mm. around. Even the tattoo. I mean, the supernaturally move I around. I don't understand. Right. Right. Oh, it's mm. supernatural. See, you don't have to understand. Mm. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Just brush it off. Supernatural. Okay. Moving right along. <laughs> um, speaking of oh. that supernatural and that key, now once Roach stole the key from Breaker and gave it to the collector, wouldn't it really have been over right then? Like it, the the motivation seemed weird at that point. Like it seems like his motivation is to get the damn key and destroy the universe or whatever's going to happen next, right? Yeah. Once he's got it, it's like he's still wanting to get revenge on Breaker or something, like. I think well, that's 100% what's happening. Yeah, I think he needed to go back to hell in that moment and call it a day. But yeah, instead, yeah. He inve- instead, he he's so invested in pursuing Breaker that he you know, drops the ball. I love how excited he is in that moment. They're like, hello, everybody, come on up and play. And he gets the arrow in the eye. Like, <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and or then not. they had to explain it away that, uh, you know, I'm not like those low-level demons. That's not going to take me out, you know, hitting the eyes. Right. Well, it's got to be both eyes anyways, but it doesn't seem to bother him either way. Mm. Which you got to be a hell of a shot to be shooting people like in one eye, then the other eye. That seems really complicated to me. Uh, Toward the end, basically the ending, you know, is uh, Gerilyn covering herself in, I guess, the blood from the vial, right? The blood of Jesus, Mm. whatever's in there. And uh, he just grabs her, like wraps her in plastic and washes it off. (laughs) So wasteful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then she manages and all that to drink some of it and like kind of holds it in her mouth as she he's da- there's this weird uh, uh, Joker with Vicky Vale type scene where he's dancing around with her <laughs> for no reason and then she just turns around and spits it in his face and then that melts him or whatever right? Um, what did you guys think of all that and the ending and everything? I thought that was a cool. I mean, you know, the the whole holding it in the mouth and spitting it out or whatever. He kind of, I guess you didn't expect it. Like, what's going to happen now? How's she going to get out of this now? You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, it's plausible. I mean, I can see where they were going with it. You know. Yeah, now, although, yeah, you're like, damn, that's, it seems like you wasted an awful lot of, you know, this is, that's pretty rare thing you got in that bottle. Yeah, you got Jesus blood. <laughs> that's pr- I'm protected now. Although, you know? although then again, at the very end, right, she did go over and kind of refill the thing with uh breaker's blood, right? Yeah. When the, so, when the collector mm. blows up, she somehow was like magically protected from the fire. Luckily, breaker's body doesn't get blown up too. She's able to get yeah. a refill like, like it's a, you know, a. 60 ounce soda at Seven Eleven, which that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree that it's kind of where, I guess it's where it had to go for her to spit the blood at him. It, it, it does. It's, it almost feels like it kind of got written into a corner a little bit. Cause like, what else are you going to do to make this guy go away? We don't, you know, we, we know the eye shooting thing wouldn't be enough. That wouldn't be satisfying to the viewer to just have it be the same way of getting rid of all the other demons. Um, she conquered or she's able to withstand his seduction attempts, which is kind of a, a climactic thing in a way, but we don't really even see that happen fully. So I, I think it's a little not totally satisfying that she just kind of spits blood in his face and it's and it's over. But I don't know how else they could have necessarily 
done it either. Yeah. I mean, like, cause she, she would be uh, a total, you know, in this scenario, she would be a total novice who wouldn't know what the fuck is going right. on. Right. She, now she's thrust into this position of, well, I'm the last one. I got to f- figure this out somehow. And, you know, she managed to do it. And, you know, regardless of that. So I guess there is a little and bit of satisfaction to, there, but not, yeah. you know, yeah. you see maybe they wrote in the first part of her covering herself in the blood and like, okay, this is how she's going to get out of it. And they're like, well, that's kind of like anticlimactic. I mean, we need to have a little bit more of a twist. Once she gets the blood taken off of her and then she keeps some in her mouth, they spit sad out. <laughs> and there's a lot. Yeah, okay. I, I kind of hear the producers having this discussion yeah. now as we talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot more blood in there than you're kind of led to believe. Like I'm thinking, like this thing's got to be running out. Like you know. <laughs> yeah. I kind of yeah, think that she may have just like gone straight to the source and just rolled her body all over Breaker's corpse. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe up, she did. Because you know, may, you, you might be right. Because you know, then they like, well, she just goes back over and fills it up you know, from his wound or whatever at the end. So maybe, maybe that is how she did it. Just like got blood all, you know, from him and just rubbed it all over herself. I don't know, but there was yeah. a lot. Cause there was enough still in the key for him to dump down in the, uh, the tub too. So I, I can only yeah. assume that the blood doesn't have to go through the key that somehow breakers blood since he's the demon knight, that it's already intrinsically powerful is all I could figure, but maybe only because of his martyrdom. Like maybe in ordinary life, it wouldn't have worked that way. Uh, mm. But the movie ultimately ends like we just described. And then you see you're introduced to the next collector, right? Because he tries to get on the bus after she puts mm. the seal on the bus door. And then as uh, he's like, no, I'll take the next bus. So she drives away and he's standing, uh, he's standing on the side of the road and he just walks up the highway. And then he starts whistling the uh, Tales from the Crypt theme. I thought that was kind of a cool little way to kind of transition back into the Crypt Keeper segment, right? The Crypt Keeper mm. wraparound. And, th- and that, of course, the at the top and bottom, the Crypt Keeper wraparounds were as cheesy as they they always were in the, <laughs> you know, in the shows with the puns and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and directed by some other dude, uh, Gilbert Adler. I guess that was the uh, the producer we were referencing before. Uh, yes. So, so he, he directed those sequences, which I think kind of works to make it not, to have Dickerson not do it. Because there's a whole feel, a whole vibe to how Demon Knight looks. And the bookends... I think it's good to have them feel kind of more like the TV show. A I will flatter. say that was the only thing that I can think of that looked kind of cheap ass to me was at the beginning Crypt mm-hmm. Keeper segment, the first time where he's walking. Cause you know, you <laughs> oh, know yeah. it's like a puppet where yeah. you, you only shoot the top half. But that part where he's walking, <laughs> yeah. like that's bad mid nineties CGI right there. Oh yeah. That looked, that's, that, that's... that didn't hold up. Pre-Scorpion <laughs> King CGI does not yeah. look great. <laughs> that doesn't look good. But then it switches to the puppet, and you're like, oh, that instantly looks awesome. You know, but that yeah. one little bit where yeah. he's wearing the director's hat, and he's cut, and he's walking toward him, it's like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> Did you notice that the house that the Crypt Keeper lives in has a tire swing out front? I'm like, who's, who's, whose kids are hanging out here ever? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully uh, no one. <laughs> small, small detail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't notice it. Don't get caught up in the details. Just go with it. Well, there we go. That's uh I guess that's it from uh Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight, but we're not we're not done just quite yet. We're gonna give our star rating. So uh Travis, you're the guest, so we'll and and also you and your guys brought this movie to us, so we'll let you go first. Now the 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 uh, the gimmick here is zero to five star rating, zero being, you know, good lord, this is terrible, to five mm-hmm. being like recent fives we've had are like for instance, over on our Cult Corner series, Big Lebowski, we've done Reanimator, Evil Dead in the past. So that's kind of the scale. So just give us your thoughts and your star rating. 
Gotcha. Um, well, if you ever, if you guys ever check out our, the podcast that I'm from, Cinema Nine, we do it where we just ask ourselves, does it hold up or not? It's a, you know, a yes or no kind of question. It's a little easier to do. I'm going to say that for me, this movie definitely, definitely holds up, which I predicted that it would. Uh, I, I think it's just so. I think it's better than it deserves to be in a lot of ways. I, I think that uh, it would have been very easy for this to just been a popcorn cheese fest, you know, forgettable horror trash. But instead, there's something weirdly elevated about it. And I think a lot of it is the uh, performances and that these are really pretty strongly written characters. Every individual has a, a little bit of an arc and has some depth to them. Even even Danny, as annoying as he is, has a little something beyond just being like the, the annoying kid and that he gets to at least turn into a big monster. So I think that there's I think that there's a lot to enjoy in this movie. And I don't know that's quite at five star territory. But I really, I think that I'm going to give it four stars, which is high. I think it's, I, which is maybe a little higher than it deserves because, you know, maybe if I'm being objective, it's like a 3.75. But I'm going to throw on an extra quarter of a star because I have such nostalgia for this movie. Um, Donnie, before I toss it to you, <clears throat> before I toss it to you for your thoughts and star rating, Will did give me his star rating and we'll let him uh, uh, talk about his thoughts and everything on the next episode, hopefully. But his star rating, he gave it three and a half stars. So four from Travis, three and a half from Will. So there you go, Donnie. What, what do you say? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, three and a quarter. And, you know, greatly enjoyed this movie. This is, you know, I, I've seen it uh, about three times. But, yeah, greatly enjoyed it. You know, great effects. Uh, d- deserves all the accolades, certainly. And, you know, we've we've said it before. Billy Zane really, really made this one. Yeah. You know, um, so, yeah. Definitely props three and a quarter. That's where I'm at. And I'm going to echo what you just gave it three and a quarter. I, I think for all the reasons that we've just said, uh, it's an entertaining flick. You know, like I said, it earns bonus points for me for being that kind of like, you know, trapped in a corner type of movie, trapped in a building type flick, great cast. Everything just comes together. Well, like you said, it, uh, Travis, it, it almost, uh, is better than it has any right to be. And maybe that's because of the cast, just everything coming together perfectly you know for whatever the reasons but it, it gels it gels just right for me so i'm gonna go with three and a quarter so smoke you bring it home uh yeah i, I gotta give it one star this movie just sucks no, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh an example to me of you know a lot of times if you say a movie if a movie has a good script you can you can carry it a long way and it'll you know it can maybe be better than some of the actors it has as long as it has a really good storyline well this movie almost goes the opposite way the, the storyline to this is very basic good versus evil different in the way that it's carried out maybe here and there but as everybody has has stated already the actors carry it the special effects carry it both in the splatter department and in the creature effects to where it it goes above and beyond its basic sort of uh, good versus evil storyline but i'm going to echo both uh, josh and donnie scored three and a quarter stars for me as well i think it's it and it and it does hold up if we're doing the whole does it hold up or does it not hold up it would hold up I believe as well. And, and I, like I said, this is, I didn't see this as many times as I've seen a lot of horror movies from this era and going back. And I, again, it was at that time period being in the Navy, there's a lot of stuff I missed during those years. And uh, if I wasn't, I probably would have seen it a few, a handful more times than, than I have. So this is really only the second time I've seen it from beginning to end. Enjoy it. I highly enjoy it. And I would uh, recommend it to anyone who has never seen it. So there you go. It, it, it earns high marks, you know, for, on our scale for uh, across the board. And the consensus score is 3.3 stars. Donnie, I'm going to, I'm going to toss to you for your segment. And this is very appropriate. 
<laughs> for this episode. <laughs> Connections. Connections. <laughs> I didn't add any extra laughs. Those yeah, same yeah, that's shame for that. Yeah. But uh, no, we we've already alluded to Dick Miller. He was in. Um, we we've covered past Spook Show episodes, uh, Chopping Mall and The Howling, and on the and that's the that basically covers the cast connections and also on the crew side, uh, Scott Coulter for uh, makeup special effects. He was in a past Spook Show ep- episode, uh, Street Trash, yeah. uh, Pet Cemetery, and Josh's favorite, the Garbage Bell Kids movie. Okay. Well, I thought you were going to say House of Wax again, but <laughs> all right. Either way. No. Yeah. The Garbage uh, Bell Kids movie. Will is so. not here to give his kill count, but he gave me the number, and the one that he came up with was 12, and that sounds about right. You know, not, mm. not remembering all the kills right offhand, but it's, 12 sounds like a good number. So th- with that in mind, Smoke. Gore score. So uh, this one has got more than you would think it would have for a movie from this era, you know, from this time period. Uh, starting with that punch through the cop's head, <laughs> as Donnie mentioned, being his favorite kill, it's my favorite kill in the movie as well. And then just and then his head getting ripped off, and hey, heads up, you know, that seems pretty, that came out of nowhere too. You didn't you didn't expect them to punch through the guy's head, you know? <laughs> I was like, wow. That was- and I'd forgotten about that part. Again, I'd say I have only seen this movie way back when, and then this time, and bits and pieces here and there. So uh, I'd forgotten about that part. <laughs> so that was awesome. Uh, there was arm being ripped off. There was. Uh, yeah, we, did we mention that? I can't remember. Like her we arm, didn't. No. Her arm getting broke and then just ripping it right ripped off. off. She's a real <laughs> trooper for just going through <laughs> after that. Oh yeah, she but, just yep. basically just drinks a little bit of vodka and she powers Vodka's through. kicking in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then the real reason she didn't want Dick Miller to, to you know, go down there with his alcohol so she could finish that on too. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, that whole scene. And then there was the, uh, the some of the dream, se- not dream sequences, but the demonic influence scenes of uh, when Jada Pinkett Smith was seeing that what was going on with the, the eviscerated body and all that. So that was mm. pretty gorgeous. And then they replayed that a couple times. Uh, so yeah, this movie had had a decent amount going for it as far as the gore. In fact, it kind of pushes that R rating, I think. I, I'm going to go with a 7 on it. Yeah, like you said, it's kind of, kind of uh, I hadn't seen it in a while, so I kind of forgot about it. So the amount of Yeah, I, I forgot about how much more was in it, yeah, how much yeah. they got away with it. <laughs> well, there we go. I guess that's uh, that'll do it for uh, this edition of the Spook Show. Travis, we we appreciate you coming on once again. Uh, yeah, man. Tell us a little bit more about where uh, uh, you know your other things that you've got going on, where people can find you on the internet and whatnot. Well, as as I said, Cinema Nine Pod. We're all over, you know, the normal cinema, or excuse me, the normal social media places. You can find me on Twitter at Royzevar. That's at R O Y S E R V O I R. That's that's pretty much the places you can find us. Thanks for having me on. If it makes you feel good, do it. There you go. Next week, speaking of uh, feeling good, I guess we'll find out because we don't know yet. Episode one hundred and thirty. It will be a quick turnaround, a little faster than we normally do. We're going to be watching Halloween Ends, so it's it's Ooh. it's going to be the Monday directly following its release. Uh, wow. th- this Friday on October fourteenth is when it comes out, and then we've got another big surprise coming up for the next episode after that. And we'll, we'll we'll save that for now. Just know that we got another big one coming, episode one hundred and thirty one, and then of course the big the big uh, one of our biggest shows of the year that we do every year, episode one hundred and thirty two, which comes out on Halloween, our fourth right. anniversary 
spe- Halloween spectacular episode. It's that once a year magical time where we get to go back. <laughs> we get to go back and kind of reminisce on the year, but we also have one chance, one last chance to re-rate the movies. So that that'll be interesting. And I guess Travis, we'll, we'll definitely try to make sure we got you and your guys over on the Cinema Nine Pod uh, on again, dude. It's uh, we well, like I said, we appreciate you coming on. It's always a good time. Oh yeah. yeah well- We'll have to have you guys on ours too. We, we mean yeah, to do yeah. That for I think Donnie, you you went on an episode with those guys uh, once, didn't you? Yeah, it was They Live. Uh, yeah, when we, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so check out, yeah, check out that Donnie's was awesome. Episode for They Live, and yeah. uh, we'll have you guys back on and too. Ma- and maybe uh, all of us can travel over there one of these days. Be awesome. That'd be awesome. Let's yeah. do that. So uh, Donnie, Donnie came to bubble gum and kick ass, and he was all out of bubble gum. Yep, yep. He ran out. <laughs> well, we did. He ran out. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we'll uh, see you next week for Halloween ends. Uh, I guess we'll see how the. The Halloween franchise wraps up. If you really think it's the end, you're probably sadly mistaken. But we'll see. Uh, For Will, Donnie, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.